And now, broadcasting from a two-person hot tub, high atop the Butterfield Park water tower, it's the E-Town Lowdown, created by Robbie and Rick. And now, your handsome hosts, PK and Rick. Welcome to a special edition of the E-Town Lowdown. Today is Tuesday, March 24th, 2020, and we're in the COVID-19 pandemic crisis. I've got my good friend PK with me. How are you, PK? Not bad for the second day of first uh, uh, stay at home. And uh, when I say I've got PK with me, we are remote with each other. He's uh, in a bunker about five miles from my location, trying to practice... Practicing social distancing. Right, in a prudent manner. So, uh, PK, uh, today uh, we've, we're going to have a special guest in uh, Elmhurst... Hospital President and CEO Pam Dunley join us in a few minutes and give us an update on what's going on over at the hospital. And I'm, I'm sure they're uh, they're really swamped, so to speak, right now. Yeah, but she's a wonderful woman, though. She is, and uh, well, we're in good hands over there with her. Uh, so you uh, you've got an inspirational quote for us today, don't you? I do. I do. So yesterday on Monday, it was our first day of the stay-at-home executive order. And as we began this new and hopefully temporary lifestyle, let us remember the motivational, inspiring words said one upon a time, home is where love resides, memories are created, friends always belong, and laughter never ends. Well, I guess friends don't always belong unless there are fewer than 10 of you and all of you are practicing social distancing. But three out of four ain't bad. Anyway, reside in love, create some memories, and never stop laughing. That's all from PK. Checking out for now. Take care, my friends. Thanks, PK. That was really nice. Well, I have a very busy person on the line uh, with me today. We have the president and CEO of Elmhurst Memorial Hospital, Ms. Pamela Dunley. Hi, Pam. How are you? I'm great, Rich. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule. And I apologize in advance if the sound quality is uh, not as good as it, it should be. And I assure our listeners that uh, it's our equipment and not the hospital's phone system. So get that out of the way right away. Uh, listeners should know that uh, PK, Scotty, and I are all big supporters of Elmhurst Memorial Hospital. Uh, PK serves on the board of the Elmhurst Memorial Hospital Foundation. I serve as chair of the foundation's ambassador program. We all feel it's very important to support our community's hospital and the healthcare workers and support staff who uh, who work there during this very trying time. So, Pam, uh, at this point, I can imagine that the hospital is operating in a very different manner and is a different place than it was just a couple of weeks ago. But in many ways, I think that you uh, in the in the healthcare industry are much more well equipped to handle a pandemic than the general public is? I think none of us know exactly what a pandemic is going to look like, but I can tell you that things have changed. You're exactly right. I think back to two weeks ago to tomorrow, and uh, that was when Elmhurst Hospital uh, was notified that they had their first positive COVID patient. And it was interesting because 
I had already been asked to come to a meeting at City Hall to talk about what the uh, town was looking at with both with the college, with the school system, with the library, with uh, the community center, and um, the city. And so it was just perfect timing that we could talk about that we had our first patient, the activities we were taking at the hospital, and so the city could could uh, know what our plans were so they could make the changes necessary um, within all of those other areas. So I think we've had phenomenal partnership with the city, and I just want to thank Mayor Morley and thank uh, everybody for their cooperation. But um, Elmhurst Hospital, I am so proud of them for everything that we are able to do, but it is not the same hospital we were two weeks ago. But not. Can you give us just a quick update on how the hospital is operating differently than it was a few weeks ago? Absolutely. So first of all, we really believe in having patients have their family with them when they're getting treated. And because of the situation, we are no longer having visitors. So patients that are in the hospital, unless there is some extenuating circumstance, would not have a, a visitor present. And so that's a very different way that, of operating than we've done in the past. Obviously, we're doing that to protect everybody, the patient, um, the healthcare workers, and people coming into the hospital. Um, but people aren't always understanding of that, and I would ask that people understand when they want to visit, it would only be under extenuating circumstances such as somebody's end of life or they're going into surgery and um, or they don't speak English. So those would be the times, and we were our we are screening everybody who walks into the hospital. So anybody who can come in the hospital, once approved, has to be checked for, uh, make sure that they don't have any symptoms of the COVID-19 disease. How about the ER in general? Is that operating a lot differently? The emergency department um, is not having visitors as well, except one family member, so that is different. They also do have a tent set up in the garage, so that if we get an overrun of patients coming in and if they are coming in primarily for testing, they may go into the tent in the garage rather than come into the emergency department. We've only had to use that once or twice, but we are anticipating that this is something that's going to be long-term, at least the next few weeks, if not few months, and that the demand for the emergency department will continue to grow. So we have that tent set up. Um, other changes that have happened in the hospital is that we are not doing elective surgeries anymore. Uh, the purpose for that is to keep people safe and keep them at home. So if something does not have to be done urgently, so by urgently we mean that um, in the next couple of weeks, it, you know, their condition might change and they need to have something more urgent, they could come in for the surgery. But most of the time we are postponing surgeries until this pandemic is under control and over. You know, the, our healthcare workers are our heroes right now. Uh, how is employee morale at the hospital? Well, I've got to say that I think we have the best employees around. And in general, the morale is very good because people know that we are the first line of defense in terms of taking care of patients. And they want to be here, even though they know their own health might be at risk or their family's health might be at risk. They put that aside and they come in to take care of the patients. 
Now, we are making sure that we do everything to keep our employees and our physicians safe. It's important to us that they take care of themselves and that they are protected. And right now, we do have enough personal protective equipment to be able to take care of our employees and our physicians. But we are being very cautious on how much we use and when we use it because we do know that as this continues, we are burning through our supply much faster than we would be able to replenish the supply. And so we're making sure that we are not wasting any of our supplies. Um, I'll tell you, we have been very lucky. We've had some members of the community volunteer to send food for our employees to keep up their morale. So we're having food delivered um, in individual wrap packages so that we're not we're keeping everybody safe and it's free to our employees. It's a couple times a week and I want to thank our community for that. I also want to say lots of community members have reached out to say, um, do you need supplies? We might have some and we have um, in the process to be able to look at those supplies and see what we can use. And people just reaching out to say, if there's anything I can do, I want to be available. And I really appreciate that. Well, it's great to hear that the community's uh, stepping up. If, if somebody in the community suspects they're infected, what should they do? Well, I would ask you to think about why you think you're infected. So if you've come in contact with somebody or somebody who's, who was in contact with somebody else who was identified as being positive, it doesn't mean that you are positive at that moment. I know a lot of people call and they're like, oh, my friend's brother was positive and I was by my friend. Am I contagious? Unless you're showing symptoms, do not worry. You do need to take precautions and you need to be smart in what you do, but do not worry. Symptoms that you need to be looking for and what you need to think about is your temperature. Temperature is really important. And so we have recommended to all of our healthcare workers to take a daily temperature. For people who were worried have been exposed, we ask you to take your temperature twice a day. If you have a temperature below 99, do not worry. If you have a temperature between 99 and 100, then we ask you to monitor your temperature more closely. So take it a few hours later. If it goes over 100, then you need to start thinking about maybe you might be sick. Then call your doctor and you'll get directions from your doctor about what to do. If you have no other symptoms besides the temperature over 100, you may be just told to stay home and see if your symptoms get worse. If you start developing shortness of breath, um, overall body aches, you know, uh, cough, cold, then you may want to call your doctor about getting testing. We are not testing everybody because there's a shortage of tests. So only those that we are really concerned about are getting tested. And that's because we want to make sure we have the testing available for the, the people who need hospitalization and or the people that need to take care of patients in the hospital. So we shouldn't get in our car and drive over to the hospital, to the ER. So when what should we come to the ER for and when should we stay away from the ER? Well, you should come to the ER if you have had a temperature greater than 100 and it keeps going up and your symptoms keep getting worse. If you're having shortness of breath and, um, and you know, your cough and cold continue to get worse and you're not getting any better, that's when you need to come in. But if it's just right away in the beginning, 
let it ride, see how long it lasts, see if it gets better. Okay. Um, can you uh, can you share with us how many cases of COVID-19 uh, you have at the hospital currently? I can, and I can tell you how many are at Edward Hospital as well. So we originally had our first case, as I said, two, about approximately two weeks ago. It was on Wednesday that we were um, notified we had our first case. Since then, um, and these are inpatient cases, so what I'm telling you is the ones that are in the hospital. There are a lot of positive cases that are out in the community that we have had in our emergency department and then sent home because they're not sick enough to be in the hospital that have turned out positive. I know at Elmhurst it's greater than 20 that are back out in the community in their homes being isolated. But in the hospital, um, at the current moment at Elmhurst, we have seven patients that are positive, and we have approximately 31 patients that are we, we are waiting testing results. Um, at Edward, they currently have nine patients that are positive and 27 that are waiting testing results. At Elmhurst, we have had two patients who were positive who have passed away. So we have had two deaths at Elmhurst. We have not had any deaths at Edward. And um, we have no employees that have been positive so far. Oh, that's, that Which, part's great, that's for sure. That Yes, and we've tested a lot of employees who were involved in the cases of the patients that are positive, and none of them have it. What, what might not the average person understand about what the folks over at the hospital are going through right now and how stressful the environment is? I think um, when you walk through our, our halls right now, it, it doesn't feel like the same old hospital. We, we have less patients today, about half as many as we've normally served for the last eight months. So it's, it feels kind of empty in places, but in other places where we have the critically ill patients, we are, um, we've set up extra units of critically ill beds. So uh, normally we have uh, about 36 critical care beds. We have added 14 additional critical care beds, and we are going to be setting up spaces for other uh, critical care beds. The concern is First of all, when you have to take care of patients who have this disease and you're trying to protect yourself, it's constantly trying to make sure that you have the right equipment on, that you're keeping yourself safe, and then you're also being compassionate with the patient because they're very isolated because people aren't going to be in the room very often and they're by themselves and they're very sick. Many of these patients can look like they are fine at one minute and then an hour later they get extremely ill and we have to intubate. So. Um, we are taking care of more patients on vents than we ever have, and we continue to look at um, at how many we think we're going to need in the future because if this continues to grow as quickly as it has, we will be bringing in more vents, and we need to train more staff that can be able to take care of those patients. Wow. What can the average person in the community do to help? You know, everybody wants to help, and I know social distancing is important and sheltering at home is important to help stop the spread, but what can they do to help more directly, whether it be blood or volunteering with food or whatever it may be, or space for that matter, anything in particular? Well, um, if you have personal protective equipment in your factories or in your, uh, um, wherever you work and you can donate, we do, we are taking equipment. We have to. We uh, have a ability to bring it in, so you can just send me an email or or call me, 
and I will send it on to the person who's coordinating that. Um, if if you have the ability to make sure people are okay in the community to stay out of the hospital and keep them home, that's that's um, really important. We have had volunteers looking at child care for health care workers because since we're requiring our health care workers to be here and they may be asked to work shifts they're not used to working, they may need extra um, child care. If you can reach out to people you know in the community that work in the hospital and offer child care, that would be great. Um, if you're sick, I say please take care of yourself. Sounds like you have a cough, so. <laughs> yes. Not me. It's somebody else across oh. the hall. Oh. I'm well, fine. I hope they're taking care of themselves. <laughs> um, other things, you know, people donating food and stuff, that's been very helpful. I think we've had donuts donated, other things. That helps keep our staff morale up. I think somebody sent our nurses flowers the other day, and we had them out in the lobby for them to see. That was very nice. But I think for us the biggest thing is please stay home. Please do not spread this, and do not come to the emergency department unless you really need that level of care. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank all of your staff. Uh, we are extremely grateful for their dedication and service to all of us. And uh, thank you for your time. And uh, I don't know how you do it, Pam. So hang in there. Oh, thank you. I, I am so proud of Elmhurst Hospital and the Elmhurst community. Together, we will make it through this pandemic. We will make sure that everybody gets the right level of care. And then as we move forward, hopefully we'll learn a lot about this so we can prevent it from the future. Well, I'm comforted thank by you. your leadership. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Hey, friends. I uh, just got our good friend Slappy Sal on the phone. Sal, how are you? Hey, Ricky, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing well, Sal. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Sal is... Uh, a resident E-Town Lowdown food critic. So uh, what, what do you got for us today, Sal? What have you been uh, doing out in the community? Hopefully not much. Yeah, you know, not much. We're still hunkered down here in the uh, basement kitchen here at the uh, sales headquarters in South Elmhurst. That's only in, a, half, uh, a, it's a half kitchen, though, right? Correct. I'm half Italian before I got a half a kitchen, okay. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, right. So, you know, you're hunkered down here. That doesn't mean you can't get some good food in town. You know, E-Town restaurants, we're still running here. So it's a good time to get out, support your local restaurants. You know what I'm saying? I do. I agree with you, too. Yeah. So, you know, I'm watching TV, because, you know, that's what you do. And uh, I hear a president talking about this Chinese virus. And, of course, you know what that makes me think of, right? Uh, I have no idea, so. Makes me think of sausage and peppers, you know what I'm saying? Because pretty much everything makes me think of sausage and peppers. Your mind is a scary after, place, Sal. Right. But after I was thinking about sausage and peppers, then I started thinking about Asian food. You know what I'm saying? So you know what? If you want to get some Asian food, there's plenty of places in town you can go check out. All kinds of Asian food, really. You got uh, sushi nest, you got sushi time. Down south over here, you got bamboo thai. Uh, Kenya Ramen down there in the city center. Is that what you call it? City center over there? Correct. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, you want to get some Asian food. There you go. Boom. You know, so I'm, I'm watching this TV and, uh, 
listening to all the talking heads go on and on, and I start thinking, man, you guys are all full of baloney. And then you know what that makes me think of? No idea, Sal. Sausage and peppers, come on, are you paying attention or what? <laughs> Everything makes you think so, of sausage and peppers. Right. So again, after I'm thinking of sausage and peppers, I start thinking about that deli in the middle of town on York Road full of baloney. Boom. I'm thinking I should go get a sandwich. They're open. They got great deli sandwiches. They got a fried beef bologna sandwich. Beautiful. So I'm saying go check out full of bologna. So what do, you think, up. do you think our uh, our listeners should uh, check out the websites or call uh, in advance? You, you know, I got, I got, that's a good idea, Ricky. You know, what I think you should do is go to elmerschamber.org. Great idea. They got a website, got a list of restaurants on it. Boom. Go take a ride out, curbside, pick up some food. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. So, you know, the other, the other thing they're talking about is, you know, it's okay to go out and go for a walk. So... Yeah, go for a walk. You know what that makes me think of? Sausage and peppers. Sausage and peppers. You're catching on. I'm, I'm, you know, after, I'm, I'm a smart man. Right. So after, well, that's debatable. But after the sausage and peppers thinking, you know, I start thinking, go for a walk. No, 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 no. I'm going to go get some guac. So go over to Guac and Tacos on North Avenue. They're still open. Get yourself some fresh guac. Get yourself some tacos. Tomorrow's Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, boom! Walking tacos. See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, Sal. So do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Yeah. You know, it's going to be a beautiful day. Go out, take a walk, get some food, help our town out. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, Sal, turn the TV, yes, turn the TV off. Walk up the stairs out okay. of the basement. Say hello to your family. Spend some good time with your family, okay? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Been great talking with you, Sal. We'll talk soon. You too. All right, Ricky. Bye-bye. And now, it's time for another installment of One Ponce a Time with lowdown legend PK and his overly enthused yesteryear expert friend, Elmhurst History Museum director, Dave Oberg. Hey, boys and girls. Did you know that the city of Elmhurst once had its own airport. Yes, one ponce a time for nearly 30 years, our community offered aviators access to runways on the city's northeast side. The airport covered 160 acres and was bounded by Lake Street, Grand Avenue, Church Road, and Route 83. In 1923, Chicagoan Joe James was the first to land his biplane on the tract of land that would become Elmhurst Airport. He and Elmhurst resident Fred Bouchard would work together to transform this parcel into Eagle Flying Field. When James left in 1929, Bouchard would formally incorporate this land into Elmhurst Airport. At first, the airport was a simple affair with two grass runways, no runway lights, and twin flares marking the end of the runways for night flyers. Early pilots had to dodge an, an ill-placed radio tower located just east of the facility and aligned with one of the runways. But over the years, you could say, the airport really took off. <laughs> so let's dig a little deeper into that. 
Uh, even in the early years, Fred Bouchard had some pretty grand ambitions for this little airport. Uh, as early as 1929, the Elmhurst Press is already carrying ads and articles about the venture, advertisements urging residents to join the Hummingbird Flying Club, offering free flight instruction. And as World War II approaches, it takes on new importance. The Elmhurst Airport is going to be pretty important, really. Uh, the Civil Aeronautics Administration establishes a partnership with local colleges offering ground study and flight instruction to help fast-track civilians into military service. And both Elmhurst College and nearby Wheaton College will partner with Elmhurst Airport in this venture. Uh, the United States government also establishes the Civil Air Patrol, or CAP, uh, just prior to World War II. And again, Elmer's Airport serves as an important recruiting station. Uh, the CAP engaged in search and rescue missions, uh, flood and disaster relief as well. And then after the war, Tufts Edgecomb Company uh, serves as the main business manager for the operation as well as its primary user, actually. Uh, the company improves the runways, uh, builds training facilities, and operates planes from the site, and also offers a number of civilian classes, flying lessons, sales, and service at the airport itself. Uh, this comes to a rather dismal end in 1956. An electrical utility company seeks a right-of-way through the property, including the runways. And the owners of the property uh, try to fight the right-of-way, and the city of Elmhurst sought federal help, actually, uh, to preserve the airport. But there's this nearby airport you might have heard of, uh, Chicago O'Hare, um, and uh, it's causing increased problems, and the federal authorities declined to intervene on Elmhurst's behalf, and the right-of-way is granted. So unable to effectively operate on the site, the owners don't renew their lease on the property in 1957. And if you wonder where it actually disappeared to, today Elmhurst Industrial Parks occupy that space. Runways are now hidden under asphalt and brick, and the engines are silent. Hey Dave, way to bring that in for a safe landing. Once again, we have a little special treat to help you deal with your boredom. We have a good friend of ours, Mr. Jimmy Stewart, who, uh, this is archival footage, obviously, Mr. Stewart passed away a long time ago, but this is Mr. Stewart auditioning for the role of Colonel Nathan R. Jessup and a few good men. Let's have a listen. I want the truth. You can handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls. And those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably save lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth, because deep down, in places you don't talk about at parties, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty, we use these words as a backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide, and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. 
Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. Wow, I'm surprised they went with Nicholson. This has been a special presentation of the E-Town Lowdown.